What's up? This is the Fight Sites MMA podcast. It's Ed Gallo here with Shriram, Marley Darren. He's a little quiet today. If you guys are going to complain about his audio, I'll beat you up. Don't say nothing about it. And I'm also here with uh, Tuman, whose name is also Iggy sometimes. And he is the host of Tengradome. He's on our panels, and he's great and funny and smart. And uh, how you doing, guys? Uh, th- I have to point out, I also host the Combat Sports News Recap. Oh, yeah. Check that one out. It's the two new show we have. Two men, two shows. Yeah. It's your name. Yeah, yeah, that's my name. That's my new name. Sure, um, how you doing? I've taken, I've taken a vow of silence, but I'm not particularly keen on keeping it, so this is a compromise. Oh my god, you're so quiet. I'm going to fix this somehow. Sure. I'm going to work on it. Um, But yeah, we're here to talk about MMA. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be kind of a... A wild one, kind of chaotic, because the fights are kind of chaotic and wild, so why why be professional? Why why do it right? You can do it like the fights are going to be. I think it's reflective of the tone. It shows that we're very in touch with the uh, with the current climate. So let's let's jump right into it, why don't we? Uh, last week's podcast was insanely long, so I feel like if this week's podcast is on the shorter side, then it's just a balance, right? Sounds good to me. I mean, there's uh, a good deal to Answered Tano's quote here. Good, good quote. Good job. Um, Everything balanced. All that stuff. Oh, uh, yada, yada, yada. That all guy. What goes. Yeah. For sure. I agree. Genocide. Um, we talked about a lot of MMA cards last week. There's no way we're going to recap all of them, all the things that happened. But I thought something significant that happened was Sergio Pettis won. That was awesome. Uh, he put on a really good, like, back foot counter punching performance against one Archuleta. And the I think the prevailing thought with Archuleta and Pettis was like, okay, this guy's competes at 45. Pettis is a flyweight, not a big bantamweight, going to get wrestled. He looked just really solid as a defensive wrestler. He looked bigger. He looked solid uh, physically and just uh, really hammered uh, the weaknesses uh, of Archuleta's entries uh, as a striker. So it just really exploited all of his flaws uh, defensively and just looked great, and I'm, I'm happy for him. Any other thoughts besides that? Well, uh, just... Uh... Just another uh, point to the uh, to the side that thinks that backfoot fighting isn't inherently worse. Than inherently, no. In but in MMA, because people do it weirdly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sergio doesn't. Yeah. And didn't. So there you go. What's that, Shuram? You were saying something? Mm-hmm. in a weird, bad way. Well, not, uh, I'm going to be kinder to the fighters. That's been my promise over the last year. Not in a bad <laughs> way, but in a different way that doesn't involve the pocket as much. When, if you take the pocket away from what TJ Dillashaw does, it, it, it becomes fairly hard to implement. So all that loose footwork just kind of got him counterpunched really easily by a, a much tighter Sergio. He got run into a bunch of right-hand counters, uh, and that was pretty much the fight. So It was an interesting dynamic, especially because it seemed like Archuleta was getting the fight back with like potty punching later um but then he tried to push a bit too hard in round four and got hit with a, a ton of counters in that round so probably 10 aided and like a 50 44 or something somewhere there so fun fight and uh, i don't know how many cool guys there are at bellator bantamweight i know there's um caldwell i don't know whether he's still there nagamedov is is definitely oh. the guy i'm waiting that's, uh, that's you know what sriam can do sriam can write the uh, all his thoughts down in DMs, and we will do a dramatic reading of them <laughs> to, to yeah, take turns. 
I'm opposed because I can't read and I don't want to be exposed as a non-reader. <laughs> oh, I can. Well, I'm a non-talker. I can do voices. I can do funny voices. <laughs> I do have a very distinctive accent. I'm going to try to fix it afterward, but if I don't, just know that I I didn't feel like it, if that's why it didn't happen, and you're just going to have to deal with it, listener. Um, but yeah, all, all 400 of you deal with it. Um, there are other things that happened on this card. I don't really want to get into it. Rumble Johnson, uh, didn't look great, but then he won, so that's cool for him. Uh, he didn't fight Yoel Romero, so who cares? <laughs> nearly got finished by a guy who broke his own arm trying to punch out Rumble Ugu. Johnson. That's his name. It's <laughs> uh, a cool name. I mean, uh, I mean, he also immediately got arrested after the fight. <laughs> that's more important yeah. than the fight, in my yeah. opinion. In in fact, I think that's the sheer fact that he was fighting that night was was what tipped the cops off, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is hilarious. Makes sense. But yeah, all the prospects I like won on the prelims, which is cool. Um, so they're going to keep going, and I hope they get some meaningful fights soon because they didn't really have them this time. Uh, but yeah. That's that's it for Bellator. I don't want to talk about yeah. Bellator anymore. What was the ad- identity of the person that uh, that uh, Rumble stole? Like, who was it? <laughs> was it? Was, was, I'm cho- I'm choosing to pretend it's like was some kind of very small white guy. <laughs> I think with Rumble a credit was... card, they're not looking at pictures, so it doesn't really matter what the guy looked like, you know. No, I guess. If his name is Dylan. Hmm. Uh, yeah, sounds like a white guy. Is that really the whitest name you can think of? One of them. I can't think of any black people. Brayden. Hayden. Uh, Zane. Like some kind of wrestler name. Kind of like... There's a kid that like just committed a, uh, to Pitt to wrestle named Briar Priest. <laughs> Fuck off. No, he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> just people named... I don't know, rock monster. Yeah, that's, that's a wrestler. That's a a huge guy. person. Huge person. <laughs> uh, it's not real. But yeah, Bellator, it happened. It'll happen again. Who will stop them? I don't know. Bellator is not real. <laughs> I choose to believe that. I don't think it's real. Although the UFC put on a pretty Bellator quality card last weekend, but uh, ignoring the main event of, of Rodriguez and Waterson, I did... Do a decent breakdown of Gillespie, uh, CDF, Carlos Diego Fajardo. That was a cool, cool fight. Yeah, I did that, that on the Wrestling cool. for MMA podcast. I, I should have an article out this week about it. Um, but I have a busy week, so let's see what happens. But that was the best fight in the card. It was really cool. Shriram and I did a commentary on it. That's on Patreon and other podcast platforms. But the video is on Patreon, so obviously you want the best version of it. Um, so we're not going to give too much away, but Tumen, since you weren't on the commentary, what was your read on that fight? Uh, <clears throat> well, first of all, we have to point out that uh, Diego had a missed weight by about five pounds. I ignore this. <laughs> well, you can ignore that as well, but uh, one thing that was interesting is that Diego was uh, way huger than Gillespie, and uh, and still... And still, despite having all these advantages, he still kind of uh, gassed himself out trying to scramble out of uh, all those positions Gillespie was putting him in. He looked really good for one round, and Gillespie looked kind of like really, really, really tired at the end of it. And then Gillespie sort of had this, I don't know, uh, just, I guess, a second win, second wind, and uh, Beheda did not, uh, which resulted in the 
well, in the TKO in the second round. By the end of the second round, I think it was like 10 seconds remaining or something. Yes. Yeah. It uh, was trending that way for a while, like maybe a minute or two before that. Shiram and I were on the commentary. I was like, he's going to he's gonna finish him. Because it's just like it was very clear that CDF was slowing down a bit and Gregor was not slowing down at all. And just the, the momentum of the fight, it was so clear that it was going to mount and build and yeah. Gregor wasn't going to stop building on him and it was, it was going downhill. CDF had his moments of success on the feet. For like, sure. Uh, he, he lanced up Gillespie with the uh, straights, but then sort of just uh, started conceding space for whatever reason and uh whenever he conceded space just gillespie uh, he gave him an inch and gillespie took it took a mile and that was yeah. pretty much the narrative of the fight just mma fighter footwork in, in a nutshell it's always happens that way i mean lightweight that's how it usually is yeah these guys have trouble with ring craft it seems like <clears throat> i wouldn't i'm, I'm different but <laughs> these guys um so that was the best fight in the card for sure uh, main event, it happened. Um, yeah, this... Alex Morono and Cerrone <laughs> was a thing. That was the main event, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cowboy <laughs> getting knocked Magni. out. Neil Magny utilized his special brain powers again. Like, just shot, shot mind bullets at Jeff Neal. That was nuts. Made himself so irresistible and so sexy that so, uh, Jeff Neal just couldn't help himself. Not even, like, a theory, just, like what i see happening in these fights is that jeff neal first of all you have to you have to you don't have to but for people with certain limitations in their striking if they're going to try to hit neil magny in the face and they're shorter than him then maybe there's more extension than they're comfortable with to get to that point um in that just overextending on your punches puts you into the clinch and then you're there and you're like okay i i'm in the clinch with you now and then he feels it and he's like oh this isn't so bad. Like, why do people have such a hard time with him to clinch? And he's, like, getting double unders and moving him around. And then it's the third round, and he's like, oh, my God. I don't want to clinch <laughs> with this guy anymore, but I can't stop throwing myself into the clinch. And it's like, Ooh, oh. He, he hypnotized you me. You want to clinch with me? Ooh. He, he tricked me. <laughs> and then you, you got, you, you know, you worked yourself into a shoot I or mean, whatever the word is. <laughs> that's that Also, uh, I mean... You've got a very lanky guy in front of you. You have trouble uh, getting getting your uh, punches reach his face, your strikes reach his face. So maybe consider some other targets. <laughs> yeah. But Jeff Neal doesn't do that. Jeff there is, Neal there is has, one target. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I guess Jeff Neal trains by like uh, painting a face of a guy he really, really doesn't like on his heavy bag on, or on his... Uh, whatever he trains on whatever tool he uses and then just focuses on that and that's why he doesn't see anything else besides the head yeah i don't know like fortis mma is supposed to be a reputable camp but like did they not tell them to hit the body i don't know why these things happen uh it's not like neil magny is a big intercepting level threat it's not like he has knees or uppercuts or front kicks or anything that would discourage you from doing that um i, I don't really have an answer but he was hitting him in the face, so it's like, okay, I can keep hitting him in the face, but then you're also clinching with him, and uh, it just goes, it's I, the same I old mean, story every time. That's that's just Magni. You can hit him in the face, you can shove him around a bunch in the clinch, and then you just kind of can't. Kick <laughs> it's just him. Yeah. Kick him. Somebody <laughs> kick him. Kick him with his stupid body. Oh my Somebody God. do it. 
<laughs> shout, shout out to Sean Madden, uh, Elevation Fight Team coach, who uh, I ha- I assume had a part in this this Black Magic uh, with Neil Magny. Um, I think it was a hex on him. I think it coincided with him switching his nickname to the Haitian Sensation. So there's some connection here uh, with Magny becoming the clinch magician <laughs> and and that nickname change. And That's whole racist. Thing. <laughs> it reeks to high hell. I call bullshit. There's something something going on here. Um, there were heavyweights. They happened. I'm not going to uh, even acknowledge that. Um, you know what? Phil Hawes, I've been down on him because the UFC was trying to kind of make him happen, and it wasn't happening. Uh, but this fight, he, I, I was impressed because he, uh, he had some troubles, uh, cause Kyle Dawkins is, uh, I don't want to do the, do the thing. Uh, but I'm going to say he's a uh, tough and gritty and hardworking and technical cause you know, he's the white one. Um, that's what they say, but <laughs> he, he, he is those things and he's actually pretty decent. Um, but his, his tank isn't all there and Hawes is a guy where like, okay, he's going to be super explodey early on he's the wrestler he's the the jacked guy he's gonna be powerful but he actually outlasted kyle Dawkins, and he did it through body work which is really cool and admirable and rare uh, in mma he just had good tools and then you know what happened out of the fight i looked him up and guess what happened he switched camps to sanford mma what a shock <laughs> they taught him strong fundamentals as a striker and he's a wrestler like how how often does that happen? Every single time I see a wrestler and they got better as a striker, I'm like, well, what happened there? And it's like, oh, they they're training with Henry Hooft. Wait, Phil Hall's Phil Hall's nickname is Megatron. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> it actually is Megatron. <laughs> I mean, I can't fault him for that. At least uh, it's not like the vanilla gorilla or whatever else MMA fighters like as their nicknames. Uh, Shriram corrected me. He said the Haitian sensation nickname started with the the uh, Tony Martin fight or Anthony Rocco Martin, whatever you want to call him. Uh, but he already had the clinch magic with uh, Li Jingliang, Jingliang's before that. So uh, still, it's the same era. You know, he he realized he was doing. Uh, it, he said, "I need a nickname was, that encompasses was, my magic." He <laughs> still did not have enough confidence in his magic, and then he decided, "Oh." This stuff works. I guess yes. I have to have to change my name to reflect that. Those were the early days. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, prelims uh, were concerning, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Ludovic Klein was somebody that I thought was going to be cool because he's like a really strong southpaw double attacker, really aggressive, powerful striker, has a lot of head kick knockouts. I was like, all right, this guy knows what he's good at. He's going to pressure. He's going to do his thing. And he's fighting Mike Trezano, who's very inoffensive. Like, even, like, when he does stuff, it's like, this doesn't matter. Um, it's kind of like a blank canvas who's pretty competent that can beat people that have big holes. I'm like, he's not that guy. Uh, he can definitely blow him out of the water. And right away, he took the back foot and said, I'm going to counter Mike Trezano and didn't have any sort of counter game. It was ridiculous. It was the worst game plan I've mm. ever seen. It was mm, awful. Taller guy. Taller guy who <laughs> doesn't know how to strike. What am I going to do? What am I supposed to do? Hmm. Pissed Just me gonna off, let man. him win, I guess. It's uh, terrible. I, mean, uh, I, I guess, I guess, little Klein. I have like some kind of hypothesis uh, uh, off the top of my head is that uh, in that Klein kind of looked up a Sanjay highlight and decided <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I can do the same thing. One of the greatest Muay Thai fighters in the world has ever uh, has done for most of his career, despite not ever doing that for most of my career. Mm-hmm. So. 
it's going to completely change my styles against a guy that maybe that's why he did it. He's like, this guy has no threat to me, so I can just do something different and try it out. But like, why are you changing things? They just, it never didn't work. It's worked every time. Like, what are you doing? So he, he did a big dumb. Also, his hairline was receding. And we talked about on a previous podcast that honestly, oh, like yeah. a, a fighter's physical appearance can sometimes be a sign that things aren't going well. Um, either like personally yeah. or physically or what have you, but he it's looked worse usually, physically. Yeah, it's it's usually either a receding hairline, <laughs> a, a massively receded hairline, a shaved head, or uh, like just hair that is all over the place that's yeah. just unkempt. Dodson or Edgar hair. Mm-hmm. Very different types of erratic hairstyles, but yeah, he looked less impressive physically. I don't know if it was just the hair that made the look happen, but. Uh, maybe he was changing his style to adjust for uh, a new physical regimen. Perhaps he didn't feel as comfortable on his same supplement stack uh, in the UFC testing pool. I don't know. That could be an option. Um, but for some reason, he changed his style and wanted to be more counter-reliant and less aggressive. And it looked bad, and he was bad, and it's not a good look for him, and he should do his thing and just try to adjust his thing to whatever his changing physicality is instead of throwing it all out the window, which is a crazy thing to do. Um, but, you know, MMA coaching, what are you going to do? <sighs> MMA brain thinking. Yeah, he's got the worms. Uh, the Iron Turtle did his thing. 30-25. It's funny. He got a 30-25 and two twenty nine twenty, A 29-26 and a 28-28. Someone scored it a draw and someone scored it a 30-25. <laughs> <laughs> was there a point deduction i don't even remember yeah, I, don't, I don't want to think yeah, about I it i think there was i think there was some kind of point deduction yeah uh, shout out to uh our patron miguel who wanted uh tafan uh and chukwi to be a thing because he did some cool clinch stuff but you know as we've often learned fighters who do like a cool thing in a fight rarely meet our expectations uh or are good at winning or have well-rounded skill sets so unfortunately he tricked you uh, by looking good in one respect and then not having anything else to offer. They also usually just kind of think about the cool thing happening as some kind of, oh, I just got lucky, and that's never going to happen again, and they never try to develop ways to get to that cool thing once again in their subsequent fights. So it just ends up being just this one cool thing they did. This Wikipedia once. page is actually very helpful outside of uh, telling us the scores. I also have learned that uh, because CDF missed weight, Gregor Gillespie got his fight of the night bonus, so he made, uh, I think, $100,000 for, for that fight. Hmm. Good for you, man. Now, he's not going to fight again for a year because of that. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep them hungry. Starve them. Uh, and then uh, the the first fight in the prelims, not a lot to say about it. Aguilera doesn't really have a ground game, but I really liked the setup for the Anaconda choke from Carlson Harris, who they showed like a clip from him for whatever his regional fights were beforehand, and he looked awful. Like, oh, this guy sucks. But he actually uh, did a good job pressing uh, Aguilera backwards, rocking him, getting him to panic wrestle, and then in front headlock, did a nice little thing. So I know to step through with my leg to hit the uh, the gator roll, finish on the anaconda choke, so he had that anaconda grip. Uh, but what he did was before he got the, the grip on his bicep, because it's hard to switch from like a gable grip outside the arm to the bicep, he just had the gable grip, palm to palm, and he uh, took, so he was, you know, had the grip on his right side, took his left leg, uh, stepped it through to his right to, you know, switch, swivel his hips, 
uh, and, and hit that hard switch and uh, put Aguilera on his hip. And then once Aguilera was on his hip, then he switched to the bicep grip and locked up the Anaconda joke. And I thought that was neat. Um, so shout out to him for doing the thing that I thought was neat. Uh, unrelated, but uh, when I was previewing this uh, card on one of the previous recap episodes, I actually read Christian Aguilera as <laughs> Christina Aguilera. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and this, if if you go by, back and watch that, I think Fenio puts uh, some kind of funny, funny snarky card in there, in in response to my, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it, a blooper. Yes, this yeah, whole podcast is a blooper. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, essentially. <laughs> I mean, most of our stuff is, so I guess <laughs> check out all our stuff if you want to. It's wanna bad. You'll like it. <laughs> hmm. That's a good advertisement, right? Okay, awesome. moving on. So UFC 262 is, is the card of the week. This is the one that we're paying attention to. Uh, you know, we've spent some time talking about all the other events that are going on every week. But it's a lot of work, you know, to check typology and see what the events are. And there's often fights that, like, oh, I know the name of the guy, and I got to find a guy to talk about. But that podcast last week went way too long. Uh, we got chill on that. Most podcasts only cover the UFC, and I don't think people have a problem with that. Uh, so most of the time, that's what we're going to do. So UFC 262, coincidentally, not that great of a card. But <laughs> the top two fights are pretty sweet. Um, Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler are fighting for the vacant lightweight title. Probably should have been Poirier and Oliveira, but uh, they didn't want to pay Poirier enough to make it lucrative for him. And the Connor fight was there and it more you know valuable for him, so he's gonna fight Connor again. And I get it, and I don't blame him. So <sighs> Gaethje, I don't know what his role is in all of this, but they gave Chandler the he's... shot, and it's Chandler and Oliveira. Gage is just kind of stuck on the sidelines while everyone else, while everyone else is fighting for whatever reason. Thought Ali Abdelaziz was supposed to be the best manager. What's going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, Gage himself, Gage himself talked about how maybe he's pissed someone off, but I do not understand how he would have pissed off God by being too <clears> great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just I mean, fought, fought the one of the greatest lightweights in history and lost. I guess now he deserves to be smitten down by the wrath of, or the wrath of uh, I don't know WME IMG. He dared to be great, and Endeavor said yeah. no. Stop it. <laughs> so don't. this is our main event. Um, it's good. It's good though. Uh, I don't know if either guy are quite like the elite level that we expect for this division's title. Uh, it feels like a while since someone has been contending for it that wasn't. Uh, like a high level pound for pound elite, but we don't know. You know, things happen. People people climb. Um, but it seems like a super chaotic matchup where both guys have a lot of avenues for success against the others, and it seems like they're gonna succeed. Uh, and we'll see who who holds up under under duress. That's kind of my initial thoughts. How about you? Uh, <clears throat> well, first of all, it's kind of uh, uh, it's really funny because the guys they're both guys styles are pretty much nothing alike and yet despite uh, the individual details not being similar they both kind of operate along the same lines broadly speaking like uh, Chandler uh, is always dangerous in the early stretch of the fight and always pushes an insane pace and uh, Oliveira himself is an incredibly aggressive fast starter himself as well so 
I mean, I guess, um, I guess this fight is going to be chaotic and violent from the get-go, and maybe, uh, maybe we could see some kind of unusually tentative start from both of them, which then could devolve into pure madness. Which is, I suppose, that that's why this matchup is so fun. And also, Chandler, uh, Chandler has this thing where sometimes he pushes, uh, like he pushes himself so hard. <laughs> uh, he kind of starts falling apart, and uh, he's uh, putting on uh, he's put on quite a bit of mileage over the years. So he used to be he used to be insanely durable, and now he's just kind of normal durable, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, Oliveira, while it's really funny with with uh, Oliveira because um, he he's had a tendency to kind of fold to kind of just go oh all right I guess I've lost, and because of that maybe there's a little bit less mileage on him despite the fact that he has what like thirty fights, uh, um, he, he's like, but despite um, despite having less mileage he's still kind of mentally foldable. Uh, he's kind of alleviated that issue in the later uh, in the uh, recently, and yet uh, it's kind of there's still this doubt: will be will he be able to keep that up? Will he be able to keep that aggressiveness up and not just uh, because Chandler is obviously uh, uh, is a very suffocating wrestler, is is very good at. Uh, while Chad Oliveira, first of all, is very good at finding uh, takedowns and uh, he has really good double legs and really good reactive takedowns, Chandler, meanwhile, is also incredibly defensively sound, wrestling-wise. And uh, I, I don't think he's ever been submitted, has he? Nope. Nope. So uh, Oliveira's tendency to just aggressively pursue submissions over positional control, he... he Demonstrated better positional control in the Tony fight, and yet, I mean, it could be an outlier because it's Tony. Tony also prefers to aggressively pursue submissions over, I know, you, you know, doing stuff like building his base and fighting grips and all that stuff. <clears throat> so it's kind of like what killed Tony against Oliveira may end up being what hurts Oliveira against Chandler. So. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm really fifty-fifty on this fight, I don't, and uh, in usually in lightweight title bouts, whenever you're kind of split, whenever the matchup is kind of split uh, evenly, it usually ends up being a complete shutout in either direction. So I I kind of expect this fight to end up being that as well. So because. Um, uh, Chandler may be the more dogged and consistent competitor of the two, uh, but uh, with the sheer amount of mileage on his body, it's hard to be sure if he can keep it up, while Oliveira has shown market improvement in his ability to maintain a consistent offensive volume after seizing the initiative. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of a question who holds up better. That's yeah. my initial read. That's a good read. Um seems more than initial it seems pretty comprehensive you dick um <laughs> but yeah i i have been having the feeling lately that whoever wins this fight is going to surprise us but their durability yeah. uh yeah. both of these guys seem you know not like vulnerable uh, not like they don't want like bad chins but they you know 
you can get him out of there. They they are defensively porous as well. Yeah, that's the other thing. Um, like <laughs> I just watched the uh, the Alvarez fights for Chandler today, and oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> he really <laughs> he, he really he, leaned on his chin. He gets hit with everything Alvarez throws yeah. at him. Yeah, absolutely everything. It's yeah. Insane. Well, in the second fight, he does some uh, meaningless jab slipping on the outside, but every time they're actually having the exchange, he gets hit with everything. So it's like, why did you even bother doing all that other <laughs> shit? But um, yeah, it's just like if you're Oliveira, you're like, all right, so I could pressure this guy and, and pressure strike. I could pressure this guy and wrestle. Um, I could, you know, take the back foot and try to counter him. Uh, I could counter his takedowns. I could counter his striking. There's a lot of avenues for Oliveira. Um, I don't think he can wrestle him any time before Chandler starts to get sloppy and slow. Um, yeah. Basically, his defensive yeah. wrestling is super solid um, and physical as long as he has the energy for it. And even when he doesn't have the energy for it, that is a fleeting opportunity. Uh, he will get another wind and be very physical and energetic again soon after. So you have to capitalize when that stuff happens. Um, and he usually is good at scaring you off and being scary uh, and hitting hard and, and I mean, being physical and Chand- a threat. Chandler is the definition of MMA explosion, man. Oh, yeah. He's, he's so. cardio explosion, man. Um, he, he can yeah. take little breaks and come back and have a, a long spurt again. Uh, like round four of the Alvarez fight, the rematch. Uh, round three, it's like, okay, he's kind of falling apart here. Like, he looks really sloppy. And round four is when he throws the giant flying knee and has the big burst <laughs> and takes him down uh, Chandler, and, and beats him up yeah. on top. Chandler has this weird athlete thing. Uh, in that he can be uh, he can look like he's about to just completely to just uh, fall to pieces and die and and uh, he doesn't do the procedural things that can bring him back into the fight and yet he still has enough power to just throw something com- completely insane mm-hmm. and uh, that just gives the other guy enough pause for Chandler to start working working himself back into the fight it's kind of like when he gets tired and instead of like uh, building up to his base and fighting grips, he starts uh, doing like uh, sloppy rolls. rolls. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the first Alvarez fight kind of proved that he's un- unbreakable. Uh, you have to kill him or poke him in the eye. Those are the ways that you can beat him. <laughs> uh, but you can't beat him in a normal way. He won't just go away. You have to either put him out or just make him confused about an eye poke. Yeah. And, uh, about, <laughs> yeah, and th- about that, about getting put out, he's is he has been put out yes. lately very early early on to boot so. just the one time um, <laughs> the uh, premise fight doesn't count he, he was actually winning still after his leg got booted <laughs> well also he, he got starched by the good pitbull so there's that which That's is the only which time. is which is a bit concerning still but uh, chins are weird Chins are strange and durability is Especially because he didn't, like, if we're being literal, he didn't get hit on the chin. He got hit in the temple, I believe. Um, yeah. So it's like a, a weird equilibrium thing where he got knocked down. But, you know, if you're a good finisher, that's uh, that's it. And Oliveira, definitely a good finisher. Yeah. Also an extremely aggressive kicker. Yes. And yes. Uh, Chandler does not like getting kicked up. Also shown some weird ankle issues. For, for whatever reason he Did hurt he, like, his leg in the first alvarez fight i didn't remember that but like that whole sequence where alvarez is teeing off on him for the entire mm-hmm. round it starts with chandler stepping weird on his foot and having a leg issue and then chandler kicks him and then when he recovers his leg he like clearly shows something's wrong and that's when alvarez tees off on him i didn't remember that's what it was 
Um, he's got something going on with his, with his lead leg. Yeah, there is uh, there is something there. It, like against Hooker, also there was a moment where he kind of stepped weird as oh well. Oh my god, he uh, has like, O'Malley ankles. Fix your ankles, dude. Oh my god, true. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I'm back. <laughs> what the fuck? I've been fiddling around for the last half hour. Mm. Okay. Hello. How's it going? Are you going to come in like Ryan in the group chat and disprove everything we've said for the past time? No, I don't have anything smart to say. Um, (laughs) This is actually the one fight that I also don't have much of a read on. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, by the way. I just needed to actually test if if everything was working. I'm happy to have you back. But, uh, yeah. Don't call it a comeback. I was never really here. (laughs) That's actually true. Uh, (laughs) And I don't know if I'm completely here now. So... Chandler Oliveira is kind of a weird fight. I think we've seen Chandler struggle with uh, outside kickers before. Uh, Brent Primus did that, and Dan Hooker kind of annoyed him, as uh, Tuman sort of alluded to. Um, yeah. And in general, Oliveira's kind of a... He's not the craftiest kicker out there, but he's a hard kicker. He's an active kicker. Uh, we can see him kind of using that linear kick against Kevin Lee to annoy the shit out of him. Um, the uh, finish actually came off of one of those, I think, where he hit like a little snap kick, and Lee shot in badly and got guillotined. So that's one thing to watch out for with Oliver. He's insanely opportunistic. Um, but, yeah, we've seen Chandler be kind of fragile when it comes to attritional damage in that way. He's not fragile overall, although you know I've, we've seen him lose before, which is true of both guys. But, um, yeah, I think that's a, a viable strategy. In the pocket, I still don't really trust Oliveira defensively that much. I um, don't trust either of them defensively in the pocket. That's the thing. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think... The difference is that I think Chandler is kind of the bigger single-shot hitter, which matters in a fight where neither one is particularly responsible defensively. So we've seen, even like as far back as the Lee fight, right? And that's not very far back at all. But um, Lee was like scared to death for the entire fight, and he was getting tuned up on the fence, but also just kind of swung at Oliveira while being scared and landed a bunch. So mm-hmm. it's not really a thing where Oliveira's like the really... He's not like an RDA who can defend in the pocket while hitting you. Uh, he, he pressures really hard, trusting in his chin and his just attritional game, which is something that I don't think I'd ever, I ever would have said about Oliveira like a couple years ago, that he really trusts himself to go forward and do things. Because yeah. that'd be the exact situation where he breaks really early, earlier. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is the sort of fight that might be defined by who takes the front foot. Because I think if Chandler can really enforce his motor the way that we've seen him do before... Wow! <laughs> A lightweight title fight. (laughs) Whoever takes the front foot wins. I know, it's Mm. wild. We've never seen it before. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I think if Chandler can really force the issue the way that he has before, where, you know, he's super physical and angry and he's going to move forward and kill people, then I think he can find a lot of of openings with Oliver. We've seen Oliver get body punched before by, like, Cub Swanson because his high guard does leave him open for that defensively. That's still a lot of what he does. So if Chandler comes in, starts creating openings with that body straight to uh, go upstairs, which he did against Hooker, or use it to even get some top time, it's very viable because I don't think Oliver is you know, particularly crafty defensively even at this point. Uh, and he can do it without the fear of getting wrestled as much as someone like, I don't know, Tony Ferguson later in the fight, I guess. Um, but if it goes longer, it's going to be trouble. And since I've dumped pretty much everything, I, I figure I should, you know, I wanted to make up for not talking for the last couple <laughs> minutes. Yeah, and the thing about Oliveira being strangely foldable, when does he usually fold that badly? What 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 it's usually brought upon? Last by? time was the Felder fight, if you want to look at an mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened in that Felder fight? 
He didn't uh, submit he him and got elbowed in guard. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, will that play a role against Chandler? I think it. it I think it can. That exact thing could happen. Yeah. yeah, he would. He could just kind of try and seek some kind of choke, and then because Chandler is unsubmittable, he would just kind of go, "Oh fuck this," and get pounded out to a finish. Well, let me give you this information, Zuman. <clears throat> Uh, according to my sources, which are Dan Tom, uh, Chandler is submittable by well, bantamweights in practice. Well, <laughs> that's bantamweights. <laughs> As we all Maybe know, it's actually easier to get submitted by bantamweights than people your size. Yes. Because the skill <laughs> level bantam- is so much higher. Because, because bantamweights are usually just, like, the entire top 50 is just insane killers. Both insane yeah. punches and also incredibly much more skilled and well-rounded than any single individual lightweight, basically. Yeah, boy, Fonte. So we're, we're excusing this because they're better than Oliveira at submitting people, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not very excusable because Chandler is huge and yeah. he should be able to put enough <laughs> top pressure to not get submitted. And yet still, here we are. All right, so, so. listen, listen. So the times he's been in like precarious submission situations is mostly Alvarez, who's not, I mean, no, not an incompetent grappler, but not really the same kind of guy as Oliveira. Um, yeah. The most pure jiu-jitsu specialist he's fought outside of like Primus, who sucks, um, sorry, <laughs> Primus, is uh, Goiti Yamauchi. I attempted to watch that today, and it was really bad. But it was bad because Chandler had zero issues with um, not being in any danger on the ground. Uh, really good inside control, good at keeping his hips square when uh, Yamauchi went to swivel. Um, but he, he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff on the oh. inside, and it's, it would set up a very similar elbow game to what Paul Felder That's... did to Oliveira. So I could see him working his cage takedown game, which is good, and actually doing the same thing, but not right away. It, w- it would take some time for Oliveira to be a little bit more uh, wrestleable and controllable because he's yeah, uh, that... very hard to hold down early on. That's the thing. Chanda doesn't really put himself in any stupid positions outside of trying on. something later he definitely on. does yes <laughs> when he gets tired after pushing like after going 150 miles an hour in the first two hour two rounds first three rounds uh what well that's why i said this is kind of a mirror matchup in that both guys do their best work in the first couple rounds and Oliveira, i don't think Oliveira's ever uh went past uh, three rounders did he didn't nope. headline anything yeah he headlined the lee fight but it ended in the third mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, chandler definitely did go past yeah chandler's gone five before yeah and they were really grueling five rounders yeah the eddie fights especially so it's really those are the only ones but... <laughs> it, it's it's a guy with less mileage on his body but who who has some a weird tendency to kind of give up and uh, a guy who never gives up, but also pushes himself so hard he starts falling apart. <laughs> it's really just it's it's chaos. The only thing I want to want to want to see is just chaos. I don't That's have a, a solid request. read. I I don't have a don't have a solid prediction. Chandler's no. gone five rounds like five times. It was the, yeah. the Alvarez fight. The first one went four. So the rematch went five. Uh, Will Brooks went five and four. Uh, Henderson went five. Uh, Primus went five. So yeah, he's done it a bunch wow. of times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... So I don't really have... I've, I've read a lot more about Chandler than I have watched him, and that's mostly thanks to Ed. And You're welcome. Thanks to, uh, thank you very much. And thanks to uh, Danny Lemitzing about Will Brooks, any chance he gets. 
So well, that's the worst use of his time. I don't. I don't support that. I watched a bunch. I watched a bunch of Chandler fights because I was looking up uh, doing research on Gaethje uh, for a bit, and then saw a Chandler appearance on JRE where he said that Justin Gaethje is just like me, and I was like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like fun. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I think from what I've seen, he can be pretty tricky for Oliveira. I think if it goes long, as I mentioned, it's going to be really tricky for Chandler to win. Because we have seen him, like, if he relies on those big bursts that uh, Ed mentioned, just, you know, randomly having conditioning after not having it for a long time, Oliveira can definitely take advantage of those in-between periods, uh, even if he can't not get hit during the bursts. And he can really chip away at how effective Chandler can be in those bursts, uh, just with the body work and the leg work. Uh, and if Chandler starts doing weird, dumb things uh, with the wrestling uh, that uh, when he gets tired, which is something that Ed did mention, that he gets a little bit less sound as a wrestler uh, when, when he was talking about him versus Khabib, uh, yeah, Oliver is one does, that can definitely take advantage. He also does big, dumb things on the feet as well. Like, uh, he, doesn't do, he doesn't do double jab into a right hand. He just he does big punch and explodes while shifting stances. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot effective. of like, there's a lot of craft in what Chandler does, but it's also not really energy efficient in any way. He just doesn't need mm-hmm. it for a lot of the fight. Um, <laughs> which I mean, it's fair enough. Like that, that's a good way to fight if you're able to kill people in a round. And if this just looks like the Dan Hooker fight, then I won't be surprised at all. Yeah. But sure, um, I'm really happy that you said motor earlier. It's just uh, a, a good sign of my influence on you. I hope it I does... used it right. Yeah, you did. <laughs> He does have the right straight to the body, which he uses a lot, which he uses to disguise his wrestling entries, which yes. is also... Yeah, it's a, it's a very Hooftian approach, where yeah. a lot of the lifting yeah. is done by the physicality, and that's true of pretty much anyone at Hooft, but it's also fairly clever, and it's clever in a way that optimizes their physical advantages that they have over everybody. Can we talk about the real main event now? Burgos Barboza? Long back uh, Benny's coronation as yeah, a, a guy that fans know is good. Ooh. Longback Benny. It doesn't roll off the, the tongue, beast. but that is the title of this fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not... So I've been watching a bunch of Ferguson and uh, Dariush, and I think it's it's a tricky fight for Dariush if Tony were still good. Uh, okay, I'm going to... As I said, I'm going to be kind. I don't think everyone heard that the first time. Tony <laughs> is a little bit declined, which is... Def- like, it'd be meaner to say he's not declined because he looked really, really inert against Oliveira. So I think it's kind to say that he's declined. Um, but in his prime, it'd be a pretty tricky fight for Dariush, in my opinion, especially over five rounds. The fact that this is a three-round fight helps Dariush a lot uh, because we saw in the CDF fight, he was doing a little bit more to account for the fact that he was exhausted. He was working behind his lead hand a bit. Uh, he was wrestling a little bit more actively. But... but it's a fight where I wouldn't trust him not to get chiesa later in the fight if this was five rounds. But I think Tony's bad habits are going to bite him here pretty badly. Well, I think he's going to knock him out, so there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the entirety I mean, of my analysis. Benny knocks him out. Uh, Very possible. I mean... Uh, it's it's hard to predict durability. Darius may well end up being the first guy to actually knock Tony the fuck out. And yet, uh, t- Tony is... Durability is hard to predict at the best of times. And with Tony, it's even harder because this is the man who was able to hang in there for almost five full rounds against Justin Gagey, who is one of the biggest hitters pound for pound. And 
I mean, that's also may end up being the reason why the Ryush is able to knock him out because taking yeah, that exactly. much damage. So, no. I mean, if uh, there's still a shred of that physicality and durability in Tony there, it still may be tricky enough for the Rouge to navigate, especially Tony's like this janky, weird, self-sacrificing boxing style where he never moves his head, gets hit with everything <laughs> you throw at him, and then inexplicably, it like uh, uses his face as a as an analog interface to gather data about your movements and then slip everything else in the second round. That can also work unless he's completely I don't know if if unless his reflexes and his uh, vision is just completely not there if it's gone, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Um, I mean, a, a guy like Tony was always pretty hard, pretty tricky for Benil at the best of times, uh, even earlier in his career. Because uh, I mean, we we know what Darius is. He's uh, a guy who who hits. <laughs> yeah, it's the best, the best ever. Who is also one of the worst athletes ever, <laughs> <laughs> which is what curtailed a lot of his uh, early successes. Uh, like, uh, like that Barbosa fight where he was like beating Barbosa up, beating Barbosa up, and then Bar Barbosa just went flying knee go, brrr, and Benio was like, oh, oh no. I mean that that fight was long uh, is long past. Darius is now a crazy berserker, a crazy, insane, frothing at the mouth berserker. So maybe that's what he's got that Prager U energy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. He's just <laughs> before every fight, uh, before every fight, they just told Darius, "Imagine that you're fighting a globalist," and Darius is like, <laughs> "Saving the world." Completely, completely forgets what he's supposed to be doing and just throws. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. It's also kind of tricky when um, Tony Ferguson's habits are kind of ill-equipped to deal with that, as funny as it is to say. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of Darius's flurries are like big overhand uppercut things. And uh, yeah. I think Ferguson's kind of lack of regard for his positioning anywhere is probably going to bite him. Uh, he's super <laughs> upright pretty much all the time. Uh, he relies a lot on slipping and weaving and stuff, but it's not really stuff that he does reliably as, until he has a read. And the fact that his feet are square like 50% of the time uh, makes it really tricky for him to do that on the back foot. So that's something. I don't really think Darius is much of a counterpuncher. Uh, he's tried it before, but it's not really something that he's yeah. done with any degree of consistency. At this point, a lot of his success is on the lead. So I don't think it's going to be like a rerun of Gaethje, but I do think that if he can drive Tony back enough, that it might just become academic because he can just grind him against the fence and, and end yeah, up on top. And uh, Dariush also hits very hard, despite his uh, alleged lack of athleticism. Because the weight transfer he puts, the weight transfer on his every shot is uh, genuinely, genuinely insane. He throws <laughs> every ounce of himself into each punch, while yeah. also slipping to the side, which is which could be also a side effect of the fact that he just kind of. He throws himself <laughs> off balance so hard it's good defense. <laughs> yeah, he slips by, he slips at oncoming shots by accident. That's just legit what happened in the close fight, if I remember. He just like the overhand had his head all the way off to one side. I'm like, hey, this is clever. It's like no, he was just trying to literally take his head off. Um, but yeah, also uh, Ferguson's feet are nearly always being square, especially on the front foot. Probably means that Darius can buy breaks with takedowns in the open. Uh, we haven't really seen him do that a ton. 
But if Daryush can like get any entries at all, I don't think Ferguson's going to be super prepared to deal with them. Um, yeah, it, it seems like a forgiving fight for Daryush. It's just it'd be way more forgiving if he was uh, in a body that wasn't his. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, makes it work. Uh, so Chukagian's fighting Araujo. Uh, I always want to say Rujo because of Vito Rujo from the wrestling world, but it's not that. Um, <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. Uh, Burgos Barboza. So Thank Burgos, I, I would characterize him as a pressure fighter. So does that mean Barboza is going to lose automatically, or do you think there's more nuance to it? Well, unless Burgos has a, a horrifying lapse in judgment and just has the... He is an MMA fighter. That's definitely Great possible. Fault. I mean, I guess... Uh, uh, he's kind of like a too dumb to fail type fighter and uh, I've kind of learned to not trust too dumb to fail type fighters because sometimes he, they after Gaethje yeah yeah they're kind of like uh, Gaethje is an interesting case because he's like dumb enough to realize he, well he's smart enough to realize he is dumb but he is not dumb enough to stop thinking about it <laughs> well yeah but also he became too smart to be uh, he yeah. became smart enough to fail when he yeah, Khabib. and uh, that's that's my concern with Burgos here because that Emmett fight may just about have been the fight to kind of <clears throat> make Burgos think a little, and uh, when a fighter like Burgos thinks too much, that's never a good sign. Uh, but I mean, uh, it's still Barboza. <laughs> if uh, <laughs> if uh, it's like. Uh, if you do not pressure against Barboza, you've officially failed a test that should qualify you as a sentient being, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to start out by saying, yeah, I think Burgos kind of fucks him up. Um, it, it's really tricky for Barboza when Bur Burgos isn't like the sort of RDA type pressure where he wants to pin you down in a specific spot on the fence. Um, he just kind of walks towards you at all points. And it's, pr it's enough to drive most guys to the fence of their own accord just by exhaustion and not being able to hang in the pocket exchanges. Uh, and I don't think that Barboza really needs a very specific sort of cage-cutty pressuring approach um, to, you know, beat him up. I think the analog here might be to the Tony Ferguson fight that he had, where Ferguson was just wild and walking towards him and doing a bunch of crazy shit. But the difference is that where Tony Ferguson's wildness kind of covered up for a lot of positional deficiencies and defensive lapses. Burgos actually has far fewer of them, and I think that's the issue that people have with Burgos, is that they kind of conflate his reckless, uh, uber-aggressive style with not actually yeah. having defense when it has to be the opposite, where if he has to win a fight at all with his uber-aggressive style against anyone halfway decent, he has he's to have got, defense that's better he's than got average. good defense, but he just doesn't really tie well to what he's trying to do at the best of times. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, more it's, uh, that it, it's like you can't treat dealing with Josh Emmett shots and Calvin Cater shots the same way that you deal with dealing with um, Thiago Trator shots or like Makwa Khan <laughs> yeah. shots. It, yeah. It's that he doesn't acknowledge that these margins exist with some of these fighters. So like yeah. even if it's close, if he's getting hit by a Thiago Trator left hook because he like was a little bit late at turning his head and being super slick, it doesn't matter. Where if he's a little bit late at eating, uh, or if he's a little bit late at like riding a Josh Emmett right hand, he's pretty much dead. And he doesn't really yeah. care. So I think that's the thing. He doesn't really modulate his approach. And I get being surprised by Calvin Cater punishing him for it. Because Calvin Cater was like no one before that fight. 
and it turned out that he was actually like one of the best in the division. But Josh Emmett being super low margin was not a surprise to anybody, and he came out looking as crazy as ever. Uh, Barboza is one where, yeah, I'd rather he not think for this one. I'd rather he be as stupid as humanly possible, uh, because Barboza's just going to throw his feet out of position and just drown in exchanges if yeah. Barboza... Uh, or if also, also, an important thing we have to point out, Barboza is, has dropped down to featherweight. That's why this fight is happening. And Barboza yes. does not have the same things that he used to have at lightweight, which was uh, a speed advantage and uh, maybe maybe some kind of maybe better reflexes, maybe a better gas tank. And so without those advantages, all he really has is um, maybe he will scare someone off with, uh, well, I guess increased punching power compared to lightweight. But this is Burgess we're talking about. Burgess yeah. doesn't really care no matter how hard you hit him. So... <laughs> I mean, it's also a thing where Dan Ige couldn't pressure Edson because he kept getting stung on the entry, but Brigos' defense is a lot stronger. Uh, and yeah. Makwan Amarkani didn't really try to pressure him. So I could see a way in which Edson's, like, for instance, against Amarkani, uh, Edson used, like, this little darting, sort of sneakily long, shifty straight that uh, shocked Amarkani several times. And that's the sort of trick that I could see, like, messing with Burgos in theory. Where Burgos is like, oh, I'm walking forward. He, I've seen it straight uh, several times. I can slip it, and then, or I can pull away from it, or I know I'm too far away, and then Edson just sort of catches him on the end. I could see that happening if Burgos doesn't pressure. But if he does pressure, Berg, uh, Barboza's in no position to throw anything uh, with any sort of cleanliness or craft. So it's just going to be, I think, uh, Barboza just exhausting himself by running away and. Uh, getting his body beat up. I think it's going to be a showcase fight for Burgos, and I really hope yeah. it is, because I think Burgos is one of the most bizarrely misunderstood fighters in the division. Uh, I want to see him fight Yair Rodriguez and just beat the crap out of him. That's just the best case scenario. <laughs> that would be great. Nice. Thank you. Uh, let's let's move relatively quickly through the rest of the card. Uh, Matt Schnell, he's solid. People like him. I agree. Uh, he's fighting Rogerio Bontarin, who's big, strong grappling man. Um, pretty basic and limited on his feet, but yeah. effective when he gets what he wants. And Schnell, I would say, high skill in a lot of regards, but doesn't always translate to success. Yeah, I think the thing with Schnell is that he's kind of wiry and not super strong or uh, powerful. Uh, and we have seen him get knocked out a couple times. Uh, I think, was he the one who got knocked out by Sandoval? Might have been. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't really want to go back and look at Hector Sandoval's <laughs> career, but he did get knocked out by Rob Font, That's which is... one click you know, too many. Definitely. He got knocked out by Alexandre Pantoja, which is also not super, you know, embarrassing. Uh, getting knocked out by a huge bantamweight in Font and getting knocked out by one of the bigger punchers at flyweight in Pantoja. But um, he's been knocked out and we've seen it, and that makes us nervous. Uh, he did navigate Tyson Nam decently, but Tyson Nam isn't uh, the craftiest of guys, and Nam did manage to land a couple times. Uh, Tyson Nam, isn't that yeah. the guy who always like finds a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory every single time? I didn't That's know he knocked out Dantas when Dantas <laughs> was Bellator champion. That's like his claim to fame. Oh, he beat a Bagatinov as well. That's two uh, other divisional champions that he's he has wins over. Yeah, um, he was tied up in a Bellator contract dispute for a long time, which is his other uh, claim to fame. It's just they wouldn't let him do anything. Uh, but uh, he lost to Sergio, which is fine. And uh, he knocked out two guys who weren't particularly good, and then he fought uh, Matt Schnell, I believe. So he made Schnell look pretty slick. Yeah, he did. I mean, I don't. I'm not completely sure that Schnell won that fight on rewatch because he did get hit hard several times. His defense is a lot less slick than he thinks it is, if that makes sense. 
but um, I, mean, I guess that could go for Burgos sense. too. That's yeah. that's the case with a lot of fighters. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's more clear with him because he does like this whole you know uh, peekaboo like get hit and then shoulder roll. <laughs> he did he did do that a couple times against Nam. <laughs> Looking back and forth of... at the shots that you that you might be throwing that I'm not oh, yeah, getting Kane, hit with. <laughs> the Cain Velasquez head movement, where you only move your head when nothing is coming and everyone knows it. Is it over here? Is it over here? Oh, I got Who hit. Knows? But I looked good, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think uh, Hajario Bontarin isn't the guy to take advantage of that. Chanel is a, a decent grappler. He tapped out the Smolka from his back, I believe. Nice. And uh, Jordan Espinosa, so he has a triangle, and I don't think that's necessarily the best thing to have against someone whose game is big control wrestler, so that might be a danger, but I think it's winnable for both guys. Yeah. Peekaboo style head movement is when you hide your face behind your hands and your opponent goes, where did it go? <laughs> Shout out to our Discord patron who asked about object permanence. This is very relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay do we so, need to uh, explain what object permanence uh, permanence is to no our, if you're to old enough to listen to this podcast you're old enough to know what object permanence is <laughs> uh, so we thought so we thought uh, but no, we can't spend we can't spend time on that we have job again, if your computer about. isn't in your field of vision then it might not exist so. right right is it still there when it goes away? Who knows? Uh, Jock Ray is fighting the guy. Thoughts and prayers to Jock Ray. I hope you win, Wait, buddy. Who am I talking to? There's voices in my head, but I, I'm not seeing anyone. And then I'm just going to move right along. Uh, <laughs> Lando Venata is fighting Mike Grundy. I talked about this a little bit on, on my podcast because they're both wrestlers, in fact. People don't know that Lando Venata is a wrestler because he fights like he's not one. Um, he is one. Uh, he was actually on a Division One roster, uh, University of Tennessee Chattanooga, which is not a good school, but they are Division One. It counts. Uh, Mike Grundy obviously represented Great Britain in freestyle. He is a very strong, explosive wrestler. Uh, has figured out how to use his rear hand in fights, which is important for wrestlers. Um, and he had that really awesome fight with uh, Mo Sorry of Loyev, where super high pace. If Loyev's defense looked really good, he still kept wrestling, kept pushing hard. Late in the fights, he's got great cardio as well. Uh, Lando, I mean, who's tried to wrestle him in the past? Like Matt Favola? I don't really remember Favola wrestling him much either. I think um, he ended up on his back. I don't know if it was because of Favola wrestling him or it just happened. Yeah, it seemed that was more just like, it got fight of the night, so I'm pretty sure it wasn't wrestling because I don't tend to do that. Um, <laughs> it, it's a shame. I'm glad that they gave Gillespie CDF that because it definitely deserved it and it would have gotten jobbed in like, any card that had it helped that there were no other good fights in the card (laughs) exactly like anything halfway decent would have gotten it over that if the ufc had their way uh but yeah i I don't they had the the headliner was supposed to be tj versus Corey, so naturally that was probably would have probably ended up getting fight of the night true but that one might have deserved it so that might have also been Mm -hmm. wrestling yeah yeah if if tj is hasn't fallen off uh, that's why i was so bummed just missed yeah. my little sociopathic snake. R.A.P. This has gone on a, a crazy tangent. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's Um That's yeah, always Venata. the thing with my podcast, with my podcast appearances. So, what did you expect? <laughs> I don't know. It was a spur of the moment decision. I wasn't thinking. I keep letting you into my spaces and in, in my podcast, and like, oh wait, shit, this guy's a menace. We invited you into our home. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Lando Venata, I don't really have a ton of takes on him since I haven't seen him fight in an, a, quite a while. 
Uh, I believe his last one is Yancey Medeiros, which speaks for itself. He's the Brandon um, Gibson fighter. He does exactly what, what Brandon Gibson <laughs> wants, and it's like, that is not enough to win fights, sir. Yeah, the fact that he beat John McDessie is a continuing source of annoyance to me. I hate it so much. That was proof uh, of concept. Uh, it's like interesting that's... combination will always, will always work. You just have to have enough interesting combinations that people aren't expecting, and that is a game. It's just to have a, a lot of tricks. That and yeah. Cerrone beating McDessie by being more athletic, like a coward. I mean, at least that makes sense. <laughs> that makes some sense. Uh, McDessie, or Venata beating him was just nonsense. Uh, I wouldn't say it was scene. just athleticism, because McDessie's always been kind of kickable, which is funny, yeah. considering no. his background. But... I refuse to give any credit to Cerrone. He got kicked up by Shane Campbell. <laughs> in fact... In fact, they should give Cerrone to just engage you once again, just, just to give him a fight. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I agree with that take. Um, but, but yeah, Lando is is Mr. Cool Combinations guy, and now that he's like kind of falling off physically, uh, it's not enough. So he just kind of exists in fights. Doesn't really have a game. Just has a lot of slick looks that it he imparts, but uh, it doesn't really have any one specific thing that he does. Uh, just some areas that he has stuff in, and that's that's not really how you win fights in the UFC. Mike Grundy has a thing. It's being really rear hand happy, hit hard, explosive wrestle guy, and that's probably gonna work. Um, I, I just I don't know really what Lando's deal is as a defensive wrestler. I don't think we've seen it enough, but I hope Grundy wins because he's the one with a more defined game, with more, despite his age, with more potential. I would say. Yeah, I think Lando's pretty much a known quantity. You have to like last through the first round, and you've seen all the things he's gonna do. Uh, and he's going to start falling off by himself even if you haven't figured it out because he's the thing he does is very energy intensive uh, he pretends it's all effortless and flowy when it, it's really not and you can tell that it's not um, so you know there's a reason he had like two draws I believe which is crazy and then Bobby Green kicked his ass uh, in his last fight so yeah I think Grundy's reasonably competent I think he got a knockout with a left hook also earlier which is pretty cool um, so you know fun stuff I don't really have takes on the fights this far so you're down saying the card, he has two hands. He does indeed. Oh, Lando Venata has zero. Lando's gonna, got no chance. <laughs> He's going to get killed. He shouldn't even be sanctioned. Lando Venata is kind of like the guy that uh, falls off his chair, leaning too far too back, <laughs> leaning too far back, and then pretends that's, that's that what was he was intending to do all along. Like kind of a, so, so, some kind of cool <laughs> trick with, with a chair. When in fact he just fell on his ass. Lando Venata is like the guy, the kind of guy that Joe Rogan thought was going to be like the new wave of MMA fighter. Like, look how cool yeah. and fluid his footwork is, and he's so loose and creative. And it's you know, you know, it's like just a unknown thing instead of just like being good at stuff we already know about because no <laughs> fighters have developed their fundamentals. Um, that was kind of kind of the, uh, the the thought experiment that happened there. But when you do a thought experiment on a person who fights in a cage. Uh, sometimes they get hit a bunch and it doesn't work out that well. So I think that's what we have here. Sounds right to me. Uh, will Rogan be on commentary for the next uh, pay-per-view for this? I, I feel like he's not. usually on pay-per-views, right? Usually I, is, yeah. I really hope he's not, he's not because he will for sure uh, say that uh, Chucky Olives has that classic Muay Thai style where he's he a black just belt kicks and, in Muay Thai. Yeah, if you didn't Thai, know, black belt. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Jesus. Uh, other fighters are on this card. I don't really have thoughts on most of them, but actually, if you go down, uh, correct me if you have thoughts before that, but uh, the first two fights in the card are the ones that I think 
are worth thinking about. Kevin Aguilar um, can box a bit. And I think that's yeah. a cool thing. And you should watch that. And uh, the first fight of the night, I like it. If you don't remember Sean Soriano, he came into the UFC on short notice against Kawajiri and stuffed mm. a bunch of his shots and like looked like a good uh, aggressive striker, athletic, and then got you know ground out by Kawajiri. And then the rest of his UFC career didn't go that well. But he's like a born and bred Henry Hooft guy. Um, he was also uh, always promising in uh, Usman's corner and oh, camp yeah. for his last fight. Yeah, so he's been he's around lately. His... He's lost his three UFC appearances, got cut, then had a bunch of fights uh, wherever, and then mm-hmm. returned. Yeah, I followed him closely because I always return. thought he was going to be good. Um, but then, like, just not having a ground game hurt him. Because if you see, he lost to Kawajiri, a grappler, Skelly, a grappler, Rosa. That's that's not acceptable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Webb, I don't know. Who, actually, I do know who Thomas Webb is, but I don't want to explain why. Um, but Makashvili uh, is actually very good. Yeah, Levin's um, fine. But yeah, but now he's on a win streak, and I just I want him to be good, and I, I like him. And Christos Yagos um, is also pretty solid, in fact. Um, I think, another I, think wrestler. We can, I think we can interest uh, Seth in Christos Yagos simply because he's Greek. <laughs> it <laughs> looks racist. Sold on, on the Greeks. I, I try to get him <laughs> on board. So there was this guy. This is not even remotely relevant, but um, at the last chance Olympic qualifier, this fellow that was wrestling for Greece, uh, Georgios Politis, and uh, Georgios Politis looks Greek as shit, and like is tan, has all the Greek aesthetics. <laughs> it's like a big arm sleeve that looks very Greek. I'm like, this guy is Greek, and just like, no, he's Ossidian. I'm like, what? And <laughs> his name is Georgios Politis, and sure enough, I look him up and I find some articles in in Greek, and yeah, he was a, a cadet Russian national champion, moved to Ossidia. <laughs> Uh, changed his name to Georgios Politis. And <laughs> looks super Greek. But before that, I was like, I'm rooting for the Greek. And Seth was like, no. So I don't think Seth likes the Greeks. I think there's beef there. I'm not sure what happened. I, I think he only likes one Greek, which is uh, the uh, Kyriakos Grizzly, the yeah. powerlifter, the funny meme powerlifter. He only uh, likes natural born Greeks. He doesn't like these transfers. Yeah, he actually yeah. only likes Italians. I think that's actually the case, but. Yeah. Um, some people are deemed Italian adjacent, and I never know what the criteria is to become Italian adjacent because I, you could just I, be like a random white guy and hold us. I give know you that power. F- I know for a fact that uh, Seth uh, rates Budet Mongolians as uh, uh, Italian adjacent. Oh, for, for sure, they reason. deserve that. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that completely. I, I guess it's the diet, just all the meats and dough and dairy products. Just like, does he deem your culture cool and acceptable? Then yes, you are Italian adjacent. Um, or are you jacked enough for him to like you? Basically, it's just, does he like you or not? You are Italian adjacent. <laughs> it's also entirely arbitrary. The, and his... the, the Hydley brothers have been deemed Italian adjacent, and the Hydleys are like some sort of Scandinavian, and there's like white, blonde-haired guys who like do underhook stuff in college wrestling, and he... He has deemed them Italian adjacent, so I'm like, there's clearly no rhyme or reason to this. It's just whoever he feels like. But yeah, Christos Yagos, uh, hopefully you can earn that status eventually. Do, doing cool stuff, doing uh, uh, having good underhook stuff is the same as not baking your meatballs and frying <laughs> them in a pan instead. Magomed Khabib, uh, Kadi Magomedov is Italian adjacent, I believe. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. He knows a different. He knows the difference between a uh, between a hero and a, and a sub. And a hoagie. <laughs> and a hoagie. Okay. Yeah. 
that, that the Hydley is the Hoagie Boys. It's funny you brought that up. The, the Hydley brothers, the, the Hoagie Boys. I, I remember we had that conversation about what a hoagie is versus yeah. a sub. It's a sub, and, but you know, if you're cool and from yeah. Pennsylvania, you call it a hoagie. Um, but yeah, the answer to anything from Subway is a sub. I get, I guess so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, but yeah, that was the card. Do we have anything else to talk about? I would say do content plugs, but if it was me doing content plugs, it would be like 15 things because I've just been publishing uh, left and right this week because I'm just a, a content creator at heart. That's just a I'm normal cheap. week. That's all you do. It's more. It's more than normal. It's a lot. It's abnormal. Uh, I guess uh, I guess go and check out uh, my latest Tengridome uh, <laughs> podcast where I answer... Uh, questions from our Discord patrons. It, it has to do with uh, Mongolian wrestling, some Mongolian culture insights, and uh, the idea of cross-disciplined learning, that is, learning new stuff through the lens of combat sports. Like, for example, you're reading about a cool fighter, learn that he's from this obscure country, and go, huh, I want to know more about that, and then you just kind of snowball from there. Uh, that was an interesting one. It sounds familiar. Sounds like a thing that yeah. I have done. Yeah, like the yeah. Italian adjacent people of Mongolia. <laughs> Italian adjacent people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, go go re- listen to that. And uh, I think uh, there's going to be some, uh, of course, going to be some combat sports news recaps coming up. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the follow up, uh, listen to mailbag episodes of Tangri Dome as well. And uh, I, I suppose that's it from me. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much uh, aside from the podcast. I just, just got my vaccine shot, so I'll probably be out of action. Let's for go. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of the Pfizer people, so we're probably mortal enemies now. Wow. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a Moderna man. Uh, we, Moderna. We only we only have Sputnik over here, so I'm just I'm, I'm torn on whether. It's like the least inspiring vaccine name ever. It's like <laughs> yeah. kind of useless, but first. It is <laughs> yes, yes. That is actually that is actually what the vaccine is. From what I know, <laughs> from what I know, there's a fifty-fifty chance you you'll get all the side effects from getting the vaccine shot. Uh, in mu- in a much mo- worse form than from all the other variant vaccine variants, and then on top of that, you can also n- just plain not get an immunity. <laughs> that's how that's how great this vaccine Would is. You like to experience it's first. something unpleasant with no benefits. It's yeah, shot for you. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just Russia for you. That's just... fun. I hope you get it. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna see if I do something on Font Garbrandt or something because that's a fight that I'm emotionally invested in i'm not getting and, my hopes up sure um yeah i probably shouldn't you're not gonna trick me into caring about an that's article and then it doesn't happen then i'm like oh that's, that's very fair but i will be this pleasantly surprised are... which is also a nice feeling yeah pre-fight articles are very energy intensive and i might just do the post-fight on that so you know don't get your hopes up either uh, but you know just the podcast i guess um the podcast is good you do enough sure you should do more i should <laughs> There's the podcast, there's the watch-alongs, there's an article every quarter. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the podcast. Hope you liked it. If you didn't like it, uh, try the next one. Maybe it'll be better. If you don't like that one, just keep keep listening. Eventually, you'll like one of them. 
um, tell your friends and be like, oh, it's not good yet, oh. but just wait. It'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't, if you if you still don't like it, listen to it because you don't like it, and uh, leave nasty comments mm, wherever yeah. you're listening. You're still yeah. giving us the you're still giving us views. Yeah. So continue don't doing tell that, them that, please. Part. <laughs> if you hate watch, it won't give us views. So watch as many times as you want from all your yeah. accounts. Yeah. 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 As many accounts as possible. <laughs> Make burners. Listen from them. <laughs> You're not gi giving us anything. We're not benefiting from it. In fact, you're hurting us. Continue doing it, please. All feedback is welcome, except about our audio quality. I don't want to hear it. Stop <laughs> telling me about it. I don't care. I know. <laughs> I was there. I was there recording the podcast. I know about the audio. My you audio tell quali me. quality is always excellent, so it, it's not even relevant. Well, you live in, uh, in, in an empty place where there's great acoustics because of the, the population density. Yeah, I just live in the middle of the. You record in the field. Yes. <laughs> next time, maybe you should. Maybe next time, I should open my window, and then we, you could listen to all the, to all the, nature sounds that will lull you to sleep. Mm, that's what I imagine it sounds like outside uh, your window. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Okay, this podcast is absurd. The end. Goodbye. <laughs>